So our scripture today is from the book of Acts again. We're continuing off of what we read last week from uh, Acts chapter 6. And today we're going to read uh, verses 8 through 15. This is the word of the Lord. Stephen, full of grace and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, uh, the Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and others of those from Sicilia and Asia, stood up and argued with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he spoke. Then they secretly instigated some men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up people as well as the elders and the scribes, and they suddenly confronted him, seized him, and brought him before the council. They set up false witnesses who said, This man never stops saying things about this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses handed on to us. And all who sat in the council looked intently at him, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. So Stephen finds himself in this incredible position Just last week we talked about how the church at this point in the biblical narrative was uh, really expanding. I mean, thousands and thousands of people coming into the church and becoming disciples. We just can't even fathom what that must have been like. But with the incredible growth came all kinds of complications because the church was also committed to caring for the needy, particularly widows. And so Stephen, because he was committed to following Jesus, uh, being committed to prayer, And paying attention to the word and remembering, okay, this is the message that we embody, that Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven and now has given us the Holy Spirit. This is the message that I embody. I need to make sure that I'm paying attention to that. And he rises in the ranks. He gets the important job of caring for the widows. As the 12 disciples say, we need somebody else to do this so we can focus on what's most important for us to do. And he finds himself doing amazing things, first caring for the widows, and then listen to this. The next thing we hear about Stephen is that he's doing great deeds of, let's say, what does that say? Great deeds of, great wonders and signs among the people, full of grace and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Now, wouldn't any of us, when our, the end of our life comes, and you say, what's going to be on the tombstone? Isn't this what you would want? <laughs> Deb, Deb Spring was full of grace and power and did great wonders and signs among the people. <laughs> Isn't that what any of us would want? Or what does Marilyn say about Pastor Chad? Well, yeah, full of grace and power and did great signs and deeds among the people. Of course, that's what we would all like. But he continues to progress and serve the Lord and he's drawing attention to himself. And he finds himself in a a situation that 75% of people now are terrified of. You know what it is? Public speaking. (laughs) He gets put on the defense. 
They come up to him and they don't like what he's doing. They think he's a threat to their traditions and customs, these religious leaders. And they come up and confront him. What are you doing? And he has to argue with them about what he's doing. Except the text tells us that it was uh, not effective. These people that came and unfairly attacked Stephen could not withstand the spirit and wisdom that he had. And later then they say, okay, well that didn't work. The lying and the deceiving and, and the uh, intimidation that we're going to try to stop Stephen from what he's doing, that didn't work. So let's make him even more intimidated and bring him in front of the council. Can you imagine how terrifying that would be? Most of us would be afraid to stand up and talk to this amount of people who are friendly, who are loving, who are wanting to hear what you have to say. But if this room were full of people who were feeling very threatened by what you were saying and had the power to punish you for it, I mean, that is terrifying. So as Stephen is standing before the council in this very precarious situation, what happens then? The council looks intently at him. They're mesmerized by Stephen. And as they're staring at him, as they're compelled towards him, just saying, what is going on with this man? They see the face of an angel. I mean, think of the ramifications of what Stephen has been going through. And Stephen's priorities, for us to remember, were prayer, the Word, discipleship, following Jesus, serving, and then, the, and then taking the steps that the Lord put in front of him. It led him to this very precarious situation. But, even his enemies could see that Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. So, you may not have to worry about public speaking. Some of you have the courage to do that. Some of you don't. And if you don't, that's okay. And you may not have to do that in your job. But there are probably things in your life right now that you are not wanting to face. Where you're not sure what you need to say. Or you're not sure how it's going to go. Or maybe you're afraid of somebody else's reaction if you go back into some kind of situation that you're not sure of, of how it's going to go. Maybe it's a tense relationship. Maybe it's a place. Maybe if you're watching online and you say, what's going to happen when I come back to the church? I haven't been there in so long. You're afraid of maybe somebody's going to say something to you that makes you feel uncomfortable or hurt or angry. So what do we end up doing in those situations? Probably avoid it. Probably start to make excuses. Probably blame somebody else or talk about the situation to other people behind their back and not actually address the situation that needs to be addressed. To step forward with courage, trusting that the Holy Spirit will be there to guide you. Or it's possible that you come into the situation, and I admit that I'm guilty of this, come into the situation coming in hot. Here I come, I'm stepping forward in courage and uh, I might react rather than act with confidence and courage, compassion and clarity, even compassion towards ourselves. So how many situations do we miss in life because we're afraid? Because we want to avoid something or pretend it's not going to happen or we, we don't make a needed change in our life because we don't know how it's going to go. 
We don't want to let go of what we've preserved as our image or what's important to us. Or we're afraid of what will happen when we enter into that vulnerable space where transformation can happen, which is actually where healing happens. And it's where God's message and God's church get moved forward. But so often we as disciples are afraid to enter into that space because of all the things. What will we say? What will we do? What will we feel? How terrifying is that? So we just shrink back and say, well, I'm not quite there yet. And that's okay. But what we miss out on is encountering the risen Christ in our day-to-day lives. So what Stephen shows us is that the way to follow Jesus in a way that empowers us is to start with what you can control. There are lots of things in this world that we cannot control, not at all. Start with what you can control. Prayer, the Word, being full of the Spirit. We can control those things. We can dictate how we spend our time and what we prioritize. And if you do that, the Lord will direct your steps. And so then it's up to you to have the courage, empowered by the Spirit, to take them. So Stephen's willingness to serve led him to precarious situations where his enemies were lying to him, or lying about him. They were deceitful. They were trying to intimidate him. But he continued to walk in the Spirit. He just kept moving forward, trusting in the Spirit. And what happened? Well, he's full of grace and power. So Stephen was not coming in hot. Stephen was full of grace and power. He was compassionate and confident, but also willing to speak truth, which is something that we often avoid saying, well, I'll be nice, but I can't say that. That's just too hard to say you know, that I'm upset about something or too hard to say I'm concerned about the way that you're living your life. I'm concerned that you're hanging on to those negative emotions or whatever it might be. So we avoid the truth part because we just want to be nice to everybody. Well, I don't think that that's how the Spirit equips us to live. So Stephen was full of grace and power. And the people that tried to intimidate him, the bullies in his life, maybe the people that don't respect boundaries in his life, they could not withstand his wisdom. They said, well, we may not like what he's saying, but there is truth there. Undeniable. And they could not withstand the spirit in which he carried within himself. So they had to resort to deception to letting evil run their lives, really, out of self-preservation of saying we need to protect what we think is most important rather than letting the Spirit of God flow through them. And lastly, as Stephen is in the worst possible scenario, being on trial, basically, his enemies see in him the face of an angel. I mean, how incredible. As Stephen was filled with the Spirit, people The people could see the Spirit in him, and the Spirit of God was irresistible. This is a pattern that we see, a trend that we see throughout the whole biblical narrative. Moses, when he was in a very difficult situation, went up the mountain and was close close to God, 
and came down the mountain and his face was glowing. It was obvious that Moses had been close with God. And he came down with wisdom and with power. Maybe with renewed courage and confidence of saying, yes, God is with me. And I can walk into this very difficult situation where the whole camp is mad at me. Nobody wants to listen to Moses. And in fact, they do the exact opposite of what he told them not to do. They make an idol (laughs) out of gold gold while he's up there with God. And he comes back like, what are you guys doing? (laughs) I think he was actually coming in hot in that moment because he made him boil it down and drink it. I mean, that's, that's punishment, right? Jesus, also, when he goes up uh, to, be, to be with God and he brings, the, uh, brings his disciples, all of a sudden his face is ablaze, it's glowing, it's a similar type of picture that it was so obvious that Jesus was one with God the Father, that there was just this undeniable presence about him, that he is supernaturally filled with the Spirit. And now again with Stephen, close to God. Friends, what I want to tell you today, and I hope that you can hear, is that the same is true for you. The same is true for you that when you are close to God, when you prioritize making space in your life to dwell in His Word, to pray, to worship with a community, to receive communion, to be in small group. These are all John Wesley's uh, means of grace, by the way, the things that he said we're like the five main things that open us up to the Holy Spirit. When we do these things, and we walk in the Spirit, others can see the Holy Spirit radiating from you. That's the truth. When we prioritize being filled with the Spirit, the Spirit is seen in us. And that glow of the Spirit is compelling. The wisdom that we speak with is is drawing people in. They may not understand it, they may not like it, but that's how the Holy Spirit works. It's a compelling glow, the irresistible glow of the Spirit. Let me read to you again the words of Paul. He describes this in a different way. He says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Rather than trying to protect the things that maybe we can't control, we have no control over whatsoever, the actions of other people. So there is freedom by letting the Spirit of God flow through you. And all of us with unveiled faces, taking back the veil, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. So, um, here's a practical way to think about this, okay? Think about a screen. Like your cell phone is the most obvious one. But I've got a screen here, and now when you go to uh, Kevin's Market and you fill up with gas, there's a screen there. And you may not have any interest in looking at the screen, but when that screen comes on, you're looking at it, right? If I put up a screen here, like maybe pictures of me when I was um, in college or something that you really probably don't care anything about, you would probably look at the screen, right? There's just something that draws us into the screen. 
doesn't necessarily matter what's on it. I mean, my, my kids are proof of that. I went downstairs one time and Peyton figured out how to turn on the TV and she's watching Law and Order. <laughs> she doesn't know what's going on in Law and Order. <laughs> but she says, I like this show. <laughs> you know, it's just something about the screen It just compels you to watch it, to look at it. I mean, why do I want to look at this little square on my wrist when I'm bored? It's just the draw of the screen. Okay, so that is how it is with the Spirit. But we don't have to worry about having the power to charge the screen or say the phone. Because we really are the screen. We are the screen as people who embody the Holy Spirit. We don't have to worry about having the power to charge the phone. God gives the power to us. And we don't have to worry about what's going to be on the screen. What are we going to watch? What are we going to say? What are we going to listen to? Who are we going to text? We don't have to worry about all of that either. God gives us the words through the Holy Spirit. God does the programming. And we don't have to worry about how and when the screen will be used. God will provide the place and the opportunity that will do the most good for God's purposes in this world. So what God asks of you, friends, is to be the screen. Be the screen that is glowing with the Holy Spirit. To be the screen is to stay full of the Spirit, to stay connected to Jesus at all costs, to go deeper in prayer and into the Word, develop deeper spiritual relationships with people who are a part of our church or another church even. Maybe within the Walk to Emmaus community. Help be with people who will help you be committed to following Jesus so that you can just be the screen. Let God give you the grace, the power, the programming, and the irresistibility of the Holy Spirit. And friends, you will be set free from the grind of self-protection and self-preservation. There's an ease that, to following Jesus that reveals the Holy Spirit to others through the way that we live our lives. Jesus says His burden is light. It's a self-giving like we see in Stephen rather than a self-preservation of, oh, I don't want to be hurt. I don't want to say the wrong thing. It's an image of God working through us, being seen in us rather than maintaining our image. And if we're committed to self-giving and letting the image of God be seen in us, there is a compelling presence of the Holy Spirit. So friends, you are persons who are full of the Holy Spirit. And as you're filled with the Spirit, you are full of grace and truth, wisdom, and the irresistible glow of God, of the God who loves you. So may you move forward this day with confidence and compassion and courage as we see in Stephen as you follow Jesus above all else. Amen. So let's take uh, just about 30 